Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, an affiliate of the Hockey News. My name is Nick Berlansky, and I'll be your host today and always, and as always, I am joined by Nick Horwat. Well, draft day is over, at least draft day one. We have draft day two starting up here in about two hours and 21 minutes on June 29th, but... We have a lot to talk about today because the Pittsburgh Penguins addressed both prongs of that, quote, two-pronged approach from Kyle Dubas on the opening day of the NHL draft. He addressed the present and he addressed the future because the present is closer and obviously something that's going to be more on the topic of conversation. We're going to start there. Riley Smith acquired from the Vegas Golden Knights for a third round pick in 2024. The pick was originally acquired from Vegas for the Bluger trade. So uh, one general manager opened this deal. The other general manager closed this deal. A weird dichotomy of scale with the Pittsburgh Penguins utilizing the third round pick that they just acquired two months ago from the same team to pick up. As you mentioned on Tuesday, one of their original six golden misfits. Riley Smith, at 32 years old, has two years remaining on his current contract at $5 million per year. He scored 26 goals last season and 56 points, and then also scored 14 points in 22 games en route to the Stanley Cup. Horwat, what are your initial thoughts on this acquisition? My initial thoughts were this is a solid deal, especially it's a good piece of business considering the return of just a third-round pick, not even this year, next year. Um, I mean, sure, we don't put a ton of stock into, into the magic beans that is the draft, but the fact that we have uh, four picks remaining in this draft after day one uh, for the next six rounds. They have five. Five? Am I miscounting here? One. They have a third, a fifth, a sixth, and two sevenths. I am miscounting. All right, but yes, still, we have five picks remaining in the next six rounds. It's still not a lot. It's still not a lot. It's still not the number. It's still not the number of six. It is five, and... Especially when you have only one selection between rounds two and four. Yeah, and it's not even your own pick. It's a devil's pick that was deeper than what your third round selection could have been. It's interesting. Regardless, it's a good piece of business for Dubas to not trade this year's slim pickings already and go into next year and not even a first or second round pick. It's a third. It's a deep third round pick that... Uh, for a player like that, like I, whenever I said on the last recording that it would be hard to pry away a guy like Riley Smith, I meant that. I thought it would be. I still think it's interesting that they let it go for a third-round pick next season. So be it. They got their cup. Who cares, right? Uh, it's it was a good piece of business on Dubis, uh, and we'll see how it goes from there. That does not mean the door is shut on Jason Zucker yet either. 
Yeah, which is very, very strange because, I mean, a couple things happened when this trade went down. First and foremost, literally less than an hour later, the Vegas Golden Knights signed Ivan Barbashev to a deal that takes up, coincidentally, exactly as much cap space as Riley Smith. So out goes one, in comes another for the Vegas Golden Knights. And for the Pittsburgh Penguins, everybody, including me, I went on with Hunter Hodes and locked on Penguins almost right after the trade went down and said, okay, I guess this closes the door on Jason Zucker. I mean, it's not a one-for-one one exact, like, done deal, but it seems as if when you bring in a guy that's making $5 million, that plays the same position, that covers a little bit more ground than Jason Zucker does when you think about the fact that he plays on the penalty kill a lot more than Jason Zucker ever did. Mm -hmm. He brings a different dimension to the Pittsburgh Penguins' top six because he is a very good off-the-rush and transition player, whereas Zucker was more of an in-zone, grind-you-down, four-check, bat-check, front-of-the-net kind of guy. It, it kind of seemed like, okay, it's likely that the Pittsburgh Penguins have gotten to the point where they're probably not going to sign back Jason Zucker, especially considering the rumor currently is that he's looking for something around the 5x5 five five range, which the Penguins just can't sign that here. They only have $15 million in cap space right now, and if you use $5 million of that to sign Jason Zucker, you have $10 million left. You need to do something about your defense. You need a starting goaltender, right? Potentially even a backup. Who knows what you do with Casey the Smith? So it, it feels as if the door was closed on Jason Zucker, but then both Mike Sullivan and Kyle Dubas adamant on draft night that the Riley deal does not close the door on Jason Zucker, and it was something that just came up on draft week. They saw the price, and they said, we can't pass up that opportunity, and we've seen it around the league this week. There are a lot of players that are going for a lot less than you would ever expect them to. Yeah, like I said, it's especially one of the original six from Vegas. It's just interesting mm -hmm. to me. Uh, and yeah, the fact that it doesn't close the door on Zucker, sure, maybe that's just good PR coming from Sullivan and Dubas, but um, either way, it's not like... I mean, there are I mean, we've seen a ton of it already. There's a ton of teams out there just saying, yeah, we're not re-signing these guys. We're not re-signing this person, that person. We're not RF8. We're not giving uh, qualifying offers to this guy, this guy. The Penguins didn't, I mean, they usually don't do that, but they didn't in this particular situation and zeroed in on Zucker with this. It's obviously Tristan Jari and Brian Dumont are other guys that are upcoming UFAs that maybe uh, the team would consider re-signing, but no, the, the focus has been on Zucker, especially in the responses from, uh, you know, uh, Sullivan and Dubas. Have there been small mentions of Jari? Sure, he's your starting goalie. That's going to be a little talk there. There's been zero talk of Brian Dumoulin, so that one has sailed. Guess so. Yeah, for good reason. Yeah, and honestly, heading into the season, I think we all kind of knew the writing was on the wall. But yeah, it's um, they have a lot of faith that Zucker's going to get re-signed here, and I mean, I don't, I don't hate five million dollars, but again, you have to probably move you have to figure out the Raquel's or not Raquel uh Grandland contract situation then mm -hmm. um but five years seems a touch lengthy for someone who like the it's not it five years has nothing to do with his age because 31 you would normally sign someone to five years for um it is just the hard miles he's put on and that's yeah. exactly why five years trips me up a little if anything Riley Smith is a uh more dependable, less injury-prone Jason Zucker, which is much, huge. Much less injury-prone, and that, to me, is one of the bigger things. I mean, also, yes, you might sign somebody at 31 for five years and basically eat up the rest of their career, but also $5 million at five years for a guy that, yes, is coming off of a really good season, second-best season statistically of his entire career for Jason <laughs> Zucker, but you mentioned it there injury prone does not play special teams very often i mean he's a power play two guy for the most part is that really somebody you want to net up five million dollars for five years when you already and that's the thing it's not in a vacuum you are already paying crosby malkin gensel raquel rust in that price range do you really want to pay another guy over the age of 30 that much for that long is the question so if it's Five years at $5 million for an injury-prone Jason Zucker at the age of 31 or two years at $5 million for a 
habitually healthy Riley Smith at 32 years old, you're going to take the habitually healthy guy. You know, the best ability is availability. That's the most overused term in sports media over the past couple of seasons. Everybody uses it because it's it rings true, and it is used in so many different scenarios. So I, I do like the acquisition. And honestly, when you get it for free, it makes it that much better. I did see a couple people, and I'm not trying to bash on anybody that that went out there and said this. It's obviously an easy one-to-one comparison to make because it's the last two trades that the Pittsburgh Penguins have made if you take out the Dmitry Kulikov deal. Mikhail Granlin, the Penguins get for two second-round picks at the NHL draft. Riley Smith, they get for one third-round pick. They both cost the same amount of money, so I see why the comparisons are being drawn. But you have to recognize the fact that it is a matter of timing. At the trade deadline, prices were nowhere near as low as prices are right now. Teams are trying to open up space to sign players. We saw it yesterday, literally one for one within five seconds of each other. Riley Smith was traded. That way, they can re-sign Ivan Barbashev. So the prices are that much lower. So yes, I get the need to bash the general manager who shall not be named because he overpaid for a guy that the Penguins are trying to get rid of, whereas the first move of the next general manager, the first trade of the next general manager, is to acquire a guy on a high-value deal. It's not necessarily a one-for-one scenario. No, it's not. But you're right. You can see how people would say that, especially if you just pull up the cap friendly. I mean, they have similar contracts. They're... Both just a hair over 30, making $5 million for the next two seasons. Uh, the only difference is Riley Smith has that modified no-trade clause thrown in there, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Good to know we weren't on that, I guess. I think um, his was like eight-team no-trade list, so it was probably, at this stage of his career, he probably just wants to keep winning. So yeah. it's, it's probably a lot don't, of teams that aren't going to be close to winning. Don't send me to Canada or Florida. Thank you. Uh, or Arizona. Yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> yeah, and I just threw Florida in there because that was his former team, and I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's you can see how that comparison will get drawn. There's just two very similar contracts, especially looking at it just on paper, on cap friendly, whatever you want to use. It's right there. I mean, now the Penguins are sitting with three contracts at exactly $5 million. A fourth one, if you count Brian Russ's 5.125. Um. Something's got to get moved there, I think. it's It just has to. With uh, the amount of cap space we have left, it'll fill up quickly. Yeah, it's a lot, it, it's nice having $15 million worth of space. Penguins aren't used to that. But that'll fill up quickly, especially if you're trying to re-sign Jason Zucker to maybe what he wants or finding a goalie that wants north of 8 to $9 million in Connor Hellebuck. But that'd be next year's yeah. problem, but still... I feel like that's out the window. Yeah, with that at that number, absolutely. Unless, of course, unless we saw from Frank Saravalli yesterday from the Daily Faceoff, he put out his trade targets article. Jeff Petrie has made his way onto that list. That's true too. Rumors were that the Pittsburgh Penguins and Kyle Dubas were attempting to find a suitor for Jeff Petrie early this week at the NHL draft. Obviously, the market is not high on Jeff Petrie at the moment, but. You know, you know, that's that's news there. Jeff Petrie is on the trade block. Could it not only is he on the on the trade block, it could net the Penguins a Capo Kakinen in, in return. Apparently that's You're buying low on that prospect, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you are. I think there's it's he also kind of fits the kind of goalie Kyle Dubas likes going for. That yeah. Not your casual starter, but someone that you take a flyer on, next thing you know they're an all star. Um which, I mean, to be fair, was Jari until about this past season. So, yeah, it's Jeff Petrie could be on the block, could be a return for Capo Kakinen. We'll see where all that goes. I'm shocked someone's willing to take on Jeff Petrie, but I'm not shocked to find out it was one of, a, one of the teams like San Jose that um, isn't ready to win yet. Yeah, well, they're not also willing to take on Jeff Petrie just yet. <laughs> yeah trade trade isn't done it'd be nice to to open up that much cap space and i think saravali said the general consensus is jeff petrie has slowed down con- considerably from yeah. his original or from where he was before but uh it's going to be interesting obviously seeing that he's on the trade block i want to wrap things up with riley smith here before we move over to the next segment and talk a little bit about Braden yeager the penguins first round selection in last night's draft but 
With Riley Smith, I was a little surprised simply because coming into this offseason, we knew that, hey, if Jason Zucker doesn't come back, you have to fill that role at second line left wing. But how high was it on the list of priorities? It really wasn't. I mean, the defense and the goaltending, before we even get into the bottom six and the forward side of things, the defense and the goaltending were both much more pressing needs for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So a little surprising in that aspect that the Penguins went with this. But again, when you see the price, you got to jump at the time because if you wouldn't have jumped on that, somebody else would have taken it. If they had the cap space, somebody else would have taken that deal in a heartbeat. So I will say this. The thing with Riley Smith is, he checks a lot of the boxes I asked for for that second line left wing. I believe you echoed a lot of the sentiments that I said or probably even mentioned it before I did in some of these instances. You want a guy that can fill that role, mm-hmm. that can move up and down the lineup if need be, right? If, if somebody gets hot like a Valtteri Pustin, Riley Smith can be a third liner. He showed that he could do it this season with the Vegas Golden Knights at times. He also plays the penalty kill. Get him on the penalty kill instead of Brian Rust because Riley Smith showed this year that he can play on the penalty kill and still produce at a high level offensively. Brian Rust struggled with that last season. So if you can get Smith to take Brian Rust's spot on the penalty kill, you might be able to not only bring in Smith, who's going to be more of a consistent opportunity to get to that 25 to 30 range that Jason Zucker did last season, but you also potentially boost Brian Rust on the other side of that line and give him more of an offensive upside heading into 2023-24, which is, at the end of the day, a two-for-one in that aspect is very good for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yep, <clears throat> absolutely. It's it's good. It's a deal that should work out. There's no reason why it won't, barring, obviously, just all circumstances. But it's it should work out. It was a low cost. You can't not take that opportunity. Cup mm-hmm. champion, too. He's got that pedigree to bring with him. Uh, it's a different cup champion in the room than the guys that have been here, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we, we don't usually get that sort of thing either it is we have our champions let's bring in new guys to learn from their uh, experience this is a guy who's already been there recently he's been there uh, he's probably still hung over from the parade it's that's how <laughs> recently he's been there and he's gonna have that experience to bring in and it's you know you don't want to say it's a veteran leadership move either but that inches his way into it, at least in a year or two, it will. Yeah, and I'll just say this also. The Vegas Golden Knights fleeced a lot of teams in the expansion draft. The Pittsburgh Penguins knowingly were going to give up Marc-Andre Fleury, but it's nice for the Pittsburgh Penguins to get back a little bit there. They got Mm -hmm. back something for basically free, and it's nice uh, to, to steal something back from the Vegas Golden Knights and something that a lot of the fans in Vegas that I saw, you know, this hit them hard. A lot. Like, yeah. obviously, they liked Nate Schmidt. Obviously, they liked Marc-Andre Fleury. But uh, seeing them lose Riley Smith, uh, a lot of kind words for Riley Smith. So it seems like he was a fan favorite in Vegas. I uh, would not be surprised if he becomes a fan favorite in Pittsburgh as well. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's look to the draft and talk a little bit about Braden Yeager. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins, an affiliate of the Hockey News. Horwat, the first round of the 2023 NHL draft is in the books. The second round begins in just about two hours. Penguins not only hold on to the 14th overall selection, but they draft Braden Yeager out of the Moose Jaw Warriors of the WHL. He was on the Penguins' radar from early on. He was one of the first names that we heard that was rumored to have had dinner with the team. That was back at the NHL Combine. You texted me last night and said, man, I saw this coming from a mile away. Uh, How surprised were you, apparently not very, uh, that the Penguins ended up going with Braden Yeager at 14? Yeah, in the moments leading up to the pick, I can just remember we were tossing names at each other. I had thrown you... 
uh, Gabe Perot and mm-hmm. Zach Benson, who ended up going to pick before anyway. Um, yeah, we were just throwing names at each other, but I, for some reason, I didn't think Brandon Yeager was Braden Yeager was still on our radar on the Penguins radar because yeah, they had that early dinner with him at the combine. Um, I saw a couple earlier reports that there was just a lot of interest in him around the combine a little shortly after, but then he, the name just kind of went cold for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone kept putting up Zach Benson, Axel Sandin Pelica from uh, Sweden. Sweden. Yes. Uh, everyone just kept kind of throwing up these other names that might have more to offer sooner, might have uh, higher upsides, uh, you know, for longer runs, however it may be. We don't know, but everyone is obviously magic beans. You don't know where you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I kind of just forgot the name existed, and then Kyle, Kyle Dubas said it, and I went, oh, yeah, that, yep, that one. That one, that would have been the one uh, I would have said ages, not ages ago, but earlier in the month, whenever they took him out to dinner. There was earlier reports of just a ton of liking for him. And it just makes a lot of sense, too. It's uh, he's, a good, he's a good pick. He's not going to make an impact right away. I mean, at 14, nobody is. The only people that might make impacts from this draft right away are excuse me, Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli. I don't see it going past those two for right now. Um, yeah, the the Ducks usually don't rush their guys. I was going to say Leo Carlson as well, but the Ducks don't rush their prospects at all. And they also reached for him, so who knows. Uh, in a normal draft, uh, and who knows exactly what goes on with Matvey Mitchkov. We'll get into those in a, in a little bit, but in a normal draft, those three names, or those two names outside of Bedard, Fantilli, and Mitchkov could, be, could have been number ones. So deep draft and to the point where Braden Yeager maybe would have been a top 10 pick. Who knows? Sure, it was 14, so it was close. But um, I like the selection. I like the choice. And, you know, it, Jacob Puntori listed him as a Jordan Eberle type, hmm. which you have to like if you're a Penguin fan. That man loves scoring against us. So now how will we get our own yeah. type of his player that can score for us? Uh, yeah, he might project out to be Eberle a bottom type. six guy, but it's still solid yeah if he's a Jordan Eberle type that means if he would have been drafted anywhere else he would have been a name vastly known in Pittsburgh because he probably would have killed us every time that he played us uh but my initial thoughts in that situation and I believed it wholeheartedly all of yesterday I really thought that Kyle Dubas was going to trade down and I think that the way it shaped up and the way it played out going through 13 leading up to 14 probably still should have traded down but here's the thing nobody was trading picks Nobody. Nobody was trading picks. And in order to trade down, you need to have somebody who's interested in trading up and also giving away more picks in order to do so. That was the first time since 2007 that there were no trades in the first round of the NHL draft. Hmm. I would have also liked maybe, I don't, I, I might have liked also Axine Sandine Pelica. You mentioned him. I'm fine with not going defense because the Penguins addressed a little bit of defensive prospect death last year with Owen Pickering. So I'm fine with them not going defense. I kind of wanted a forward. But Gabe Perot is a name that you mentioned right before they went up to make the selection. It's a name that I would have liked to see. He was the second highest scorer in the entire draft last season. But here's at the end of the day. We're not going to know for three years. You're projecting and you're trying to pick out which 18-year-old is going to be the best when they turn 21, 22 years old. I don't know what Braden Yeager is going to be. I'm not going to bash the kid that's 18 years old because it's not the name that I expected to hear. But, you know, my initial thoughts, a little bit of disappointment, but at the same time, I'm not going to cry over spilt milk with this because it's the NHL draft. We'll see how he continues to progress, and we're all going to be most Jaw Warriors fans next season as we watch Braden Yeager hopefully make a run to the Memorial Cup, maybe. Hopefully make it onto the Team Canada for World Juniors. Get to watch him in that tournament since the Penguins haven't really had any representatives in that tournament for a long time. And he's a player that does bring a little bit of excitement to his game. I mean, he's potentially the owner of a very elite shot. I saw Jesse Marshall of The Athletic said probably one of the top five shots in this NHL draft, but the problem was he didn't use it all that much last year. I saw a lot of other people saying, oh, you know, his goal scoring numbers dropped from 34 to 28 in his rookie year to his second year. But I also saw a lot of people say that's because he was working on his two-way game. 
He was trying to become better in the defensive zone. He was trying to become more of a playmaker. He was trying to become more than just a one-trick pony with the shot. It's good to have that. Now he worked on it. He's become more of a full player heading into the draft. Now that he's in the Penguins organization, I'd love to see him lean back in next season into being that sniper type for the Moose Jaw Warriors and see those goal numbers progress even higher. Yeah, it's the goals took a step back, but you know what took a step forward? His total points. He became a playmaker a little bit more. Yep. And it was he, it was more commensurate here. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But he went from 34 goals to 28, which was a six-goal drop. But he also went from 59 points to 78. So he gained 19 points in the season. So, yes, exactly what you're saying there. Sorry, continue. You're good. That's a huge jump. That is a positive jump, especially considering you were CHL Rookie of the Year, the year you put up. The, the lower numbers and you put up more yeah that's that's called net positive guys uh, yeah sure the scoring numbers are down but you know what six goals in the whls that's it's a couple really because it's you do have to take league into account for that sort of thing but it's a couple yes. of goals here and there and regardless it's a net positive he is improving he immediately fires up the ranks of the penguins prospect pool to one maybe two immediately along, along with Owen yeah. Pickering. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. It's really a two horse race in that aspect. Yeah. And, and here's the thing we, we are talking about players and guys that uh, make their impacts in three years. Who knows what our prospects pool looks like in three years? Who knows if, I mean, we have to consider right now, one of our top prospects is uh, Valtteri Pustinen. He was a seventh round pick. Who knows in three years, one of our top prospects might be getting chosen today. Later today, much later today. You don't know. We have five picks remaining. Who knows where those five go? Who knows if we get a few more out of that? Who knows if we get a big player out of that, by the way? Apparently, today's not supposed to be as calm trade-wise. So, we'll see where things end up. Right now, we got Braden Yeager, who immediately rockets to the top of our prospect pool. And will be a solid player in the future and you know it's hard to it's hard to win now and build for the future but so far Kyle Dubes in in one day in a matter of a couple of hours said here are the first steps in both of those and you can't be mad at that so now it's a matter of adding to the prospect pool and you know hoping these guys develop properly because some of our former top prospects just uh taking some steps back yeah and the other thing that I'll, I'll mention about Jaeger is the one thing that obviously you're mentioning Sam Poulin and, and Nathan Legere not as much Poulin because he didn't yeah. really play a lot last season but the one key difference between Poulin and Jaeger is first of all Poulin was in the 20s and Jaeger is a, a top 15 draft pick but also Jaeger is a much better skater he already mm-hmm. has that with him the thing with Poulin was he's a big body he has the potential, you know, he's a little bit of issues with skating, but he's a great, you know, great goal scoring tendencies. Jaeger has the goal scoring tendencies and has the skating and has the ability to play in both zones. The only question with him is going to be size. Obviously he's 18. He's going to have to fill out a lot more to get to the NHL. And the other thing that I, I heard a couple of people mentioning last night is, is he going to be a center or is he going to have to move to wing by the time he gets to the NHL level? In my opinion, even if that's the case, going from center to wing is an easier transition than going from wing to center when it comes to encompassing responsibilities. So if he's able to play as a center throughout juniors and then you shift him over to the wing at Wilkes-Barre, kind of the inverse of what you saw from Sam Poulin, who was a winger in juniors and then shifted to being a center in Wilkes-Barre, then you're fine. Because Mm -hmm. look at the Penguins organizationally. Jake Gensel was a center in the minors. He's now the best left winger on the team. And quickly jumping up the ranks as the best winger in the team's history. Now there's a lot of lot to go there because there's a lot of great wingers in the Pittsburgh Penguins history, but you get what I'm saying. You know, the the kid has a lot of skill, a lot of potential, and I'm not sure where Owen Pickering is going to go this season. I know he signed his ELC. I'm not sure if he's going to head back to the Swift Current Broncos, but if he does, we'll be circling uh, Moose Jaw Warriors versus Swift Current Broncos games every single time to watch Pickering versus Jaeger. That could be a ton of fun. And I mean... Pickering's coming to the development camp, right? Yeah, I believe he's he was on the roster. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but can't remember off the top either. But try to find it. Well, uh, regardless, this is uh, it's steps one. 
steps one and two. Draft, camp. Here we go. The ride is on. Time to really start proving that uh, you have what it takes. And we all, I think we all believe Braden Yeager can do it. And uh, it's a good pick. I mean, they the the top pick would have been Zach Benson probably. Maybe yeah, second. I, yeah, maybe second would have been Perot. So you went with third choice, maybe fourth. Maybe off your board, but you know what? This this draft was so deep that um, they weren't going to miss, unless Kyle Dubas just, just for a minute there lost his mind like Carey Price did. Uh, he wasn't going to miss on the draft pick. Braden Yeager's a hit. Anyone else would have been as well. So it's, oh, and almost Pekka Rene, almost. So it. Uh, Somebody said Pecorine was literally just making fun of Carey Price, and I'm like, I'm not quite sure about that, but okay. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what those two, if those two have a friendship that's like that. But uh, the Carey Price thing, oh man, that was rough, but it, that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah, it's a, it's a good choice. Kyle Dubas wasn't going to strike out on the first round pick had he kept it. And like we've been saying for a while now, no matter what you do with it, trade it for another pick somewhere, trade it for cap relief to lose a contract, trade it for a NHL-ready player, or keep it and take the pick. They were all good choices. Mm -hmm. And I think when you put together the fact that he kept the pick, he took somebody with high upside, he took somebody with a lot of skill on the offensive side, he filled probably one of the biggest holes, which is organizational depth at center, Mm -hmm. and he also addressed the the, the current team literally hours before with a trade that he basically got a 25 goal scorer for nothing for cap space that that's what he paid he paid the cap space at five million dollars it was a good day for Kyle Dubas now again how is it going to play out we have to wait and see but early returns are positive on both the Riley Smith trade as well as the selection of Braden Yeager but we're going to take a quick break oh by the way before we go Mm-hmm. We put out a poll. Want to make sure we keep giving voice to the listeners of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much, of course, for responding and interacting with us on social media as well as our YouTube channel at Inside the Penguins. Uh, our listeners' opinion. Poll, are you happy with the Penguins' 14th overall selection of Braden Yeager? 67% say yes. 33% say no. I would like to know uh, the other opinion of the 33% that said no. I still said yes. I like the pick. Would I have liked him to trade back, maybe get a couple more assets, maybe a a pick here early on day two? Yes. But again, read the room. Nobody made any trades yesterday. But 67% also say yes. So, so far, the uh, success rate of Kyle Dubas is uh, pretty high on his first three moves made. Valtteri Pustinen was the first Mm one. Yeah. Riley Smith and Braden Yeager. That's, uh, That's what he's got so far plenty more to come over the next couple of days but we're going to take a quick break when we return the entire metropolitan division oh they had themselves a day at the nhl draft we'll talk about that and we'll finish off with a listener question we'll be right back Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by Inside the Penguins, an affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm Nick Berlansky. That's Nick Horwat. The NHL draft continues here in a couple of hours, but the first round is in the books. And boy, oh boy, if the Metropolitan Division, who I think we could both agree is probably the most competitive division in the entire National Hockey League from top to bottom, and always usually is, uh, they just... Uh, A lot of the other teams hit it out of the park. The New Jersey Devils did not have a pick. We talked about the Pittsburgh Penguins potentially getting a really good player in Braden Yeager. Just have to see. Obviously, with all of these guys, you have to see how they progress. But Mm -hmm. four other teams in the Metro had really good first rounds. I don't think the Islanders selected in the first round either yesterday. Um, The Carolina Hurricanes picked, I think, 30th. We're not going to talk about their, their selection. But Columbus takes Adam Fantilli at third overall from Michigan. Philly gets probably the second best player in the draft in Matvey Mitchkov out of the KHL. The Capitals get what a lot of people were saying is Tom Wilson Jr. 
Okay, just because he's big and has a chiseled chin. Okay, fine, I guess. Ryan Leonard from the United States National Team Development Program. And the Rangers got a player that both of us liked mm -hmm. about nine picks after the Pittsburgh Penguins went in Gabriel Perot from the USA National Team Development Program. You look around the Metro and you just say, there's a lot of good hockey minds in the Metro. And, you know, you have to, you hate to do it, but you have to give credit to Daniel Briere and Keith Jones being able to get Matvey Mitchkoff at eighth overall. John Bouchergross, by the way, before we continue, John Bouchergross said Daniel Breyer looks it like... It was bad. Oh, I like Johnny, but he said he, that uh, Daniel Breyer looks like young Paul McCartney, and I cannot unsee it now. Okay, that one that one was pretty spot on, but I thought some of the things Bouchergross was saying, I'm like, you don't, you don't have to sound like an idiot, right? Nah. Like, he said about Connor Bedard, he said, oh, we saw Austin Matthews score 40 goals in his rookie season. I would not be surprised to see Connor Bedard do the same thing. I'm like, are you really going to... Are you really going to come out and say 40 goals? Do you understand how incredible it was to see Austin Matthews score 40 goals at 18 years old? I get Connor Bedard is praised as this generational talent. You know who else didn't score 40 goals in their rookie season? Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby. Did Alex Ovechkin? I think Alex Ovechkin might. Probably. Uh, I'm going to look that up. But still, like comments like that. And then he made another comment later in the draft where I was just like, these kids are 18 years old and you're making it seem like you're comparing them to these feats in their rookie years at 18 that are just like, oh yeah, that'll be easy for them. It's like, really? Like, 40 goals is going to be easy for Connor Bedard playing on a team that is what, Taylor Hall and a bunch of nobodies? Like, Nick Foligno, I mean, I never know. Okay, the, the, the carcass of Nick Foligno at this point, yeah. yes, sure. But like, uh, I get it, he's great. And could he score 40 goals in his rookie season? Yeah, he could. I'm not going to say he can't. But saying, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. It's probably likely to happen. Like, come on now, Butcher Gross. Like, let's not make stupid, asinine comments. And the, the whole presentation, I thought, was was rough from ESPN's standpoint, which is why I probably should have watched it on uh, Sportsnet somehow. Usually is from ESPN. Also, in case you're curious, Alex Ovechkin, 52 in his rookie season. Okay, yeah. Greatest goal scorer of all time scored 52. <laughs> Just at the Austin age of 20. Matthews, Austin Matthews scored 40. Yeah. Okay. Oh, 36 really. He put up four of those in his first game. Let's just <laughs> Um no, it's Okay, well I'm not going to I'm not going to deduct points from him cuz he scored four in his NHL debut at 18 years old. But no. you know, back point to, stands, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. back to the Metropolitan at the 2023 NHL draft and not ages ago. Uh yeah, the the Metro is going to be an, a gauntlet in a couple of seasons, much like it is already. Uh it's just mm -hmm. only going to get far superior. Matvey Mechkov sliding to 7. Honestly, just the biggest middle finger to Washington. Also, you don't have to work because you're a team that's not going to need them right away. You're the Philadelphia Flyers. You're actually probably going to add another phenomenal prospect next season uh, at the draft. And not only did they get great talent in Mitchkoff, and they can wait the three years. They, they have no yeah. problem waiting the full three years. Don't have to worry about exiling him and bringing him over sooner. You get great talent and... It do, and he doesn't go to Washington. Win-win in Philly, on Philly's part. Way to go. Uh, I don't know much about the Ryan Leonard. Uh, I don't know much about him. So mm. we'll wait to see what happens there. Apparently a lot of people seem to think highly of him. And then and Adam Fantilli, like I said before, could have been a number one overall pick in this draft. Or in any draft. So the Metro got scarier. The Metro got way scarier. And if I'm not mistaken, the other Flyers pick from the draft, I forget who it was now. Uh, from the first round. Oh, yeah, Radic Bonk's son. It's a namesake. That, yeah, the Metro <laughs> got scary. Yeah, the, the Metro definitely had a good day in, in day one. And honestly, the whole Philly getting Mitchkoff and also screwing over the Capitals, two things. One, Caps, if you wanted them, you probably should have jumped Philly. You, you knew that was going to happen. And two, what were the Arizona Coyotes doing? <sighs> What? I looked at that and I was like, okay, they should take Mitchkoff because the same reasons you just mentioned for Philly. I'm like, yeah. they're not going to be good in the next three years. Shoot, they're homeless for the next three years, basically. So it doesn't matter if Mitchkoff is over here. But also, like, you're hearing rumors. I saw that um, L.A. Friedman put out there that Philly closed down their practice facility on Sunday to meet with Matvey Mitchkoff, and he told them that he wants to. Like, there, there's, there's stuff like that, a little mm -hmm. bit of yogurism in that, so... I don't know what the, the scenario was, but, and again, 
I don't know how these kids are going to play out. Like, I don't know how the only person that you could probably project is going to be a star in the NHL is Connor Bedard because he is that good. He is transcendent. He is generational. Everybody else, you don't know. You can say you know. I yeah. don't know. Like, I, I, I'm going off of what I've read, what I've watched, and forming an opinion that way. But at the end of the day, in two to three years, most of these players are going to be 100% different players. Like, there oh, might yeah. be the, the remnants of where they were. This is the base model that you're buying right now if you're a team at the NHL draft. The additions and the changes that you make to them throughout their development is going to make them into an entirely different player. You still got to wait for all those DLC packs to come out for these guys. It's <laughs> it's exactly. exactly what it is. You get you, you know what you're getting as a young prospect. These guys are 17, 18 years old um, and still have to, A, turn into adults. <laughs> yeah. And B, for most of them, finish off some junior careers, finish off some international careers. And mm. you have a lot of growing left to do with these guys. And, you know, it, it just, there's some that are closer to the NHL already. Like we said, Connor Bedard, maybe Adam Fantilli. By the way, I keep forgetting that uh, Mike Babcock's about to be Adam Fantilli's coach. Yikes. Think about the Metro. Mike Babcock, John Tortorella. <laughs> and uh, a, not Elaine Vigneault. Who's in Who's in New York? They're 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 a weird rotating door of coaches right Laviolette. now. Peter Laviolette. Yeah, those three coaches in the Metropolitan Division. And Keith Lou, Jones is the head of the Philadelphia Flyers. Lou Lamorello's up upstairs in the, with the Islanders. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> the The Metro is a gauntlet of skill, and then oh, boneheadedness sometimes. Just, old time hockey. Yep. Old time hockey. It's. What an incredible division. It's what an inc- <laughs> So the personalities and the names that we just continue to throw around. I mean, there's those names we just said, yet yet get to even mention old guys like Crosby, Malkin, Ovechkin. Uh who else is around? Claude Giroux's not here anymore. Don't have to worry about him. Mm-hmm. Uh Panarin's well, getting old. Who? Panarin? Mm-hmm. Panarin's getting a little older. Oh, well, I mean he was Backstrom's older. over in Washington still. Yeah. Was Jordan Stahl just so. signed an extension down in Carolina. Yeah. That's... What a weird division that's somehow still so good. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to get better. These guys are going to be leading this charge. And and again, we have five more, six more rounds of a draft. Yeah. I don't know who's still on the board. This is a, That's a question for Jacob Pinturi. We I need to text <laughs> and see who's left on the board. Um, But those, those guys, too, can just absolutely can grow into some of the best prospects this league has seen. Because like I said, who's the Penguins? I mean, sure, the Penguins don't have a great prospect pool, and it sucks trying to dig into ours and talk about it highly. But we're happy with what we have. We think that the guys that we have down there can do something. What right now, one of our top prospects is a seventh-round pick. Don't count anyone out just yet. Yeah, and here's the thing. You talk about the Penguins prospect pool and, and the state of the Penguins prospect pool. The last Penguins draft pick, this was out from Bob Grove yesterday, Penn's historian, great follow on Twitter. The last yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins prospect to be drafted and play more than six games for the Penguins at the NHL level is Dom Simone. <laughs> I believe he was drafted in 2016. Uh, so there is that. Six games. Yeah. More than six games. That's, a, that's not a high mark to catch. Nope. <laughs> so, uh, you know, honestly, next year, maybe Sam Poland breaks that. Hopefully, Sam Poulin gets past. He played, what, four? So he would need to play at least two games this next season or something around that. Play three. Regardless. Uh, the last thing I'll say on the draft before we move over to our listener question, Braden Yeager was born in 2005. Yeah. That's it. That's the that's the statement there. Wow. He was born. Most of these guys were born in the year Sidney Crosby was drafted, and they're all saying that their favorite player was Sidney Crosby. <laughs> Hey, Brayden oh, Yeager models his game after Sidney Crosby. I, I, he said a couple of times. Well, uh, he said he said at the combine, Nathan McKinnon's his favorite player, and then he said after being drafted by the Penguins, "Oh, I model my game after Sidney Crosby." <laughs> Which, hey, listen, going to the two best friends is never a bad thing. Exactly, especially whenever the, make I don't know. It's <laughs> especially whenever you might have Crosby as your teammate one day. It's potentially yes. Yeah, you. Sure, maybe he just said it. But at the same time, who didn't model their game after Sidney Crosby? Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Let's just be honest here. Who didn't do that? And 
I mean, Connor Bedard might make his NHL debut against Crosby, who, you know, even Connor Bedard said Crosby was my idol growing up. Mm-hmm. Braden Yeager modeled his game after Crosby. Everyone's going to come back to this, unless you're a goal scorer and then you say Ovechkin. In a few years' time, like two or three, we're going to get the guys that say, watched a lot of McDavid, watched a lot of Dreisaitl. Maybe in a couple more years' time we get Dreisaitl, but a lot of McDavid's. Matthews. Some Matthews will get thrown in there. Yeah. So somebody said Matthews this season too. I was like, oh, that's I think a hockey it was nerd right there. I think it was Braden Yeager <laughs> said I watched a lot of Austin Matthews. Yeah, who hasn't really? Hey. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, <laughs> it's the NHL draft. You know, it's it, it's uh, it, it's funny money until mm-hmm. you get to about at this stage, 2027, 2028. So we'll see how Braden Yeager continues to uh, progress. We'll see if he ends up joining the Pittsburgh Penguins for prospect development camp over this weekend. I would assume he does, by the way. I don't remember if I said it, but Owen Pickering will be there this weekend for prospect development camp. But let's get to our listener question of the day. This one comes to us from Eli Welsh on Twitter. Thank you for submitting these questions, Eli. And like we said, if you want a question, or if you have a question you want it answered on the show, just DM at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter. But he asks a two-part question here. The first one, I think we both have a very easy answer for this one, and it's something that uh, everybody has the same answer for, except for the people that voted. Do you think Evgeny Malkin belongs in the top 100 of all time in the NHL? On three, let's answer this question. One, two, three. Yes. 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 Of course. 100%. We, I think we thought it when the list came out, too. It's... uh. Oh, yeah. Everybody was like, um, you're missing somebody. Yep. I mean, that list missed a couple of people, but yeah, that was one of the big ones. That was one of the big ones. Uh, and I think even in just the years following, he's proven why he should have been. And sure, things kind of fade away. He's he's dropped off into one of the more underrated players pretty quickly. Um, If you can remember last season, I think it was NHL Network, did their like, top 100 players in the league or whatever it was. Uh, Malkin was fairly low. Now, you, he was we like can, 50th or something like that. Yeah, we can all remember the days when Malkin was in the, consistently in the top 10. Yeah. Making the Penguins look real good. Crosby and Malkin in the top 10 of that kind of list. I mean, sure, Malkin doesn't put up the same kind of numbers that he used to and that the rest of the league now does. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's no denying what he's done for his career, done for the team, done for the sport of hockey. And hey, you know what? It's... He, he was he was deserving of NHL 100 list then, still deserving of it now, yeah, but an easily a sure shot Hall of Famer. Yeah, and that's the next question that Eli asks. Do you think Malkin and Chris Letang belong in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Malkin, I think it's the same thing that we just said with the top 100. Yes, probably. Probably mm-hmm. first ballot, in my opinion, for Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, likely. And then Chris Letang. Uh, we did have this conversation whenever uh, Tom Barrasso got elected to the Hall of Fame. I believe it was late last week. But Chris Letang, you say yes, right? Yes. That's where you stand on it? Yeah, for sure. I would say I give him as of this moment, and obviously he hopes his career goes another five years because that's how long his contract is. I give him at this moment a 60-40 chance of making the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's, that's where I stand on it. Yeah. I, would... I, I do think that... Sorry, go ahead. I would push it to 80-20, but that's just my eye. Those are my eyes. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's fair. I just I, It's going to take, regardless if he gets in, it's not going to be first ballot. It's probably not going to be in the first couple of years of eligibility. It might be like you saw this year, um, and it might be 15 years down the road, but um, I don't know. I, I do think that Chris Letang has certainly put up a resume that deserves recognition, uh, mm-hmm. Do I think it's Hockey Hall of Fame worthy? That remains to be seen. I, I think at this moment, leaning, like I said, 60-40, leaning more towards yes, he's a Hockey Hall of Famer than no, he's not. Um, if the Penguins, do the Penguins have a Pittsburgh Penguins Hall of Fame? I don't believe they do. They're a Ring of Honor. I think they have a certain the Ring of, of Honor, fame. but yeah. But they, they don't did. have like a, like, um, who is it? The Steelers have literally like a Hall of Fame that they induct people into every single year. Um, oh, yeah. And it's if they do, it's definitely not like an annual thing where they're like, hey, yeah. here's some names we're putting in. Even the Pirates started doing it. Um, I am trying to remember what the what the Penguins do. Mm-hmm. But it's if they do, it's nothing huge. Regardless, um, he's yeah. a Pittsburgh Penguins Hall of Famer. That's for, that's for certain. 
For sure. Oh, absolutely. Without that, there's no question about that for certain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 it is harder to break into the you know the overall hockey hall of fame. But um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking for yeah. the answer on the Penguins Hall of Fame thing. I just don't see anything yet. But uh, they don't. It's not as prevalent to them. As you would expect it to be, because the Penguins are very in tone with with their tradition, with their history. So, you know, he is whether there's one or not. And, and again, let us know in the comments. Let us know on Twitter. I I can't think of it as of right now. It's not really prevalent. It's not something they publicize as much as say the Steelers, say the Pirates do. But if there's a Penguins Hall of Fame, he's in it, regardless. Here you uh, go. Hockey it's... Hall of Fame, sixty forty. Yeah, here you go. There is a. There, on Wikipedia, you can find a list of Penguins Hall of Famers, just like Penguins Hall of Fame is what it says, uh, full of guys like Rick Kehoe, Silaps, Jack Riley. Is that just GM. the Penguins that are in the Hockey Hall of Fame? No, because I don't believe oh, okay. Rick Kehoe is in the Hall of Fame, so okay. there's the easy nomination there. So, Oh, inducted in 2007. That's why. We haven't touched it since 2007. <laughs> that could do it. Yeah, they just it. left it. They left it at Mellon Arena. Is that what they did? <laughs> well, that's part of this little team awards thing, the Ring of Honor, which I do remember seeing across the top of the Mellon Arena. It was a big, like, collage of some of the greatest players in Penguins history, and I vaguely remember the Penguins Hall of Fame being a thing. Uh, but bring clearly, it back, yeah, bring it back. They need to get back to it in some sort of way because uh, even. Yeah, even before the 2007 induction of Paul Coffey and Frank Sicu- yeah, that's a very Italian name, of a locker room guy who did it for like 40 years. I'm yeah. sure everyone will cook me for not knowing the last name. Uh, it was rare they touched it. It was like 2003, they put in a couple people, 2007, two more, and then that was it. So hmm. uh, if they get back to that, that'd be cool, and we'll just go from there. But for now, absolutely, they're... Penguins Hall of Famers are going to get their numbers retired. Oh, yeah. Let's start the charge now. Bring back the Penguins Hall of Fame. Yeah. I don't think that's a hard thing to get done. Bring me a Pittsburgh Sports Hall of Fame, and not one that's just uh, the Heinz History Center. I was about to say, what, you don't like the Heinz History Center? Give me a real one. Like, with actual plaques and names and faces and stuff. I still, to this day, and I understand why they didn't do it, obviously, but I would have loved the Mellon Arena to be turned into a museum. That would have been cool. It, again, that's a very big museum, but um, I, yeah. I would have loved that. I always wanted that to happen when I was like younger. Um, obviously, you understand why they didn't. City planning is something that I was not thinking about when I was 13 years old, but I was very upset when the Mellon Arena was uh, was destroyed. But regardless, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you to Eli Welsh for his questions. And like we mentioned, if you want to have your question answered on the show, just Direct message us. I was about to say email us. Uh, Direct message us at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter. But that's it for this one. Day two of the NHL draft begins in just about an hour and a half. So I'm going to grab my popcorn. And I'm probably not going to sit down and watch it because I have work, unfortunately. But uh, I'll keep my eye on Twitter, as, as will everybody else. And we will see you guys next time. 